Welcome to What's New Today at OFA. This podcast comes to you from the participants of the Film and Media Program at Options for All San Diego. The Film and Media Program introduces participants with physical and developmental disabilities to all of the various aspects of filmmaking. What's New Today at OFA is a variety show podcast featuring exciting segments produced by Options for All students. And now, what's new today at OFA? Welcome to Mike's Derby. Here's your host, Mike. Thank you, Tori. I would like to explain to all of our horses. Let's get to the rules. The horses in Mike's Derby will be answering difficult questions. Each question will be worth 10 points. If the horse gets it right, they will move up. If they get the answer wrong, they will lose 10 points. The horses have the option to pass on a question, but they can only pass once during the race. If any of the horses decide to pass on the questions, their competitors will get another chance to answer the question. So, Let's meet our horses. Horse number one, Supergirl. How, how, how do you feel about winning today? Oh, I'm changing my name to Batgirl as soon as I win. <laughs> oh, but, I gotta make things right in uh, the world. Uh, uh, I don't know. So, some, some, some owner or trainer must have messed that name up. Yeah, um, And <laughs> ma- movie magic. Uh, do you plan to show better short films in the future? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, ju- juice, how do you feel today? I feel good. I want to win as a DP. Oh, 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 all right. Tori, will you please tell the horses what they'll be playing for today? Of course, Mike. Each horse is playing for a Pacific prize. If Supergirl wins, she will get a guided tour of Gotham City by Batman himself. Ah! (laughs) That's what I've always wanted. (laughs) If Movie Magic wins, he can mute Mike on Zoom for one week. (laughs) If Juice wins, she will be Director of Photography for the rest of the semester. Ooh, yeah. Those are excellent prizes. However, the horse who comes in last will receive a punishment. Tori, will you explain what these punishments are? Sure, Mike. I am willing to explain what the punishments may be. Unfortunately, for Supergirl, she will have to dress as Superman for a whole week. <gasps> I don't even have a Superman shirt. <laughs> Movie Magic has to watch a film of Mike's choice. <laughs> and Juice will be demoted down to Grip. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Contestants, uh, are you ready? Ready. Ready. Born ready. 
<laughs> and, and they're off. So question number one. Which racetrack have I lost the most money? A, Saratoga. B, Churchill Downs. C, Santa Anita. Or D, Del Mar. Um, you want us to tell oh, you what the answers are? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can see it. So, congratulations to uh, Juiced for getting the right answer. I got A too. Uh, <laughs> A did it. Saratoga. Saratoga. Okay. And she, she somehow knows that I like to do off-track betting. Um, uh, how are you guys? We'll move back. Question two, what are the three races a horse has to win in order for the horse to earn the triple crown? <laughs> uh, Supergirl and Movie Magic, you're on a bad streak right now. Um, uh, now, Vesna, the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness Stakes, and the Belmont. Wow. Staked. Ooh. <laughs> nice job, Juiced. <laughs> Looks like you really want to win, Juiced. So, question three. Question three. How long is the, the distance of the Belmont Stakes? Oh, so close. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so far away. Uh, m m m movie magic? 43 minutes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, all right. Yeah. Uh, Juiced. One, one and a half miles. Uh, 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 the correct answer is one and a half miles. Juiced. It seems. It seems like you've been to the racetrack before. Uh, uh, as as for Supergirl and Movie Magic, well, uh, you guys got to kick it into gear. Uh, <laughs> all right. So let's check in with Tori to see which horse is in the lead. With a total of 30 points, Juice is in the lead. Thank you, Tori. Let's get back to the derby. Question four. How long is one furlong? <laughs> All right, I can, I can see your answer. Uh, uh, Supergirl, I can see your answer. It doesn't seem like you follow the horses very much, no, so. You said uh, we could skip one. <laughs> you didn't say you wanted to pass. Oh, we have to say it beforehand? Ah, okay. Well, yeah, you got you to say know. it. You got, you, got, you got to tell me if you want to pass or you're just going to write down a question mark. I'm going to so, write down a question mark uh, and I'm going to pass? Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, it, so far you're on the wrong track anyway. So, uh, <laughs> uh, now, Movie Magic, can you please show your answer? Uh, she should go first, and then I can say what she No. Said. Juice. No. Juice is the third horse. So, movie magic, please try and listen. I said uh, what she said. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry. Okay, I, seriously, I, I need to see your answer. Uh, otherwise... That was his answer, what she said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. This is my answer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what happens. 
And juice? 220 miles. Oh. And let's see the answer. The correct answer is 220 yards. I yards. I meant yards. So, unfortunately, you got the wrong distance. You were wrong distance. So You get minus 10 points. I think she should start again. Juice, you did not get the right answer. It was 220 yards. We got it wrong. <laughs> Sorry, no more of that. All right. Okay. Hey, hey, multiple choice, I guess. Whatever. Question five. <laughs> How many times has Hall of Famer trainer Bob Baffert been cited for drug violations? <laughs> uh, A, 40, B, 35, C, 20, or D, 30? Supergirl, please try your answer. 30? It is correct. Yay! <laughs> I did at 35, Sorry. but no, oh. no bueno. <laughs> 30? Uh, yeah. And super cool and juiced got it correct, and movie Dang. magic here on a really bad roll. Um, Mike's movies. The the horses are coming up on the final stretch. Which trainer was caught milkshaking his horse? Now, uh, just in case the contestants, uh, specifically movie magic, um, uh, 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 milkshaking is like uh, giving performance-enhancing drugs or steroids to your horse that you're training. So, A, Doug O'Neill, B, Bob Baffert, C, Chad Brown, or D, Todd Fletcher. Supergirl? I think it's Todd Fletcher. Uh, that is incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Movie Magic, will you please uh, state your answer? Uh, C. Uh, he's a very good trainer, but uh, that is the wrong answer. Hey, Doug O'Neill. That is the correct answer, Juice. Congratulations. Juice was given the answers. This race was rigged. <laughs> so, the correct answer is Doug O'Neill. The, and. That's also not the only thing he's been cited for. Um, so let's check in with Tori to see the results of the race. In third place is Magic Movie. <laughs> in second place is Supergirl. Yeah. <laughs> and the winner is Juice. Congratulations, Juice. I would like to thank all of our horses for participating in this amazing race. And thank you, all of your gamblers at home. Uh, I will see you next time uh, on Mike's Third. Yay! (laughs) I, I, I don't really know if you will be invited back, but 
We'll see. <laughs> she had all the answers. I'm just saying. Is she called Juice because she's got the steroid or the magic milk? I don't know what you call it. <laughs> I don't know. Vesna, you tell us. Maybe she's just a good guess. I'm not good. I guess I don't know. Did you did you see or did you watch your uh, little? Uh, while you were watching your old documentary? I wasn't cheating. Are you sure about that? I, I am sure. 100%. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Maybe you're a trainer milkshake uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's why they uh, call her juice. I'm just saying. Uh, milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> it's not because she worked at Sprouts. <gasps> oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> My name is Vesna Papasit and these are my top five favorite movies. My first one, The Greatest Showman. I really like the movie because I love the music and the dancing and um, most of all, I love all of the cinematography aspects. Then my second one is High School Musical 3, Senior. I love the movie because because the music and the dancing and the cinematography, it's like so good. And then my third one, what I chose was the Kiss and Boots number three. That is because there's a girl named Elle and she's gonna find a college. And she basically got accepted with two colleges to Berkeley and Harvard and, and, and it's hard choice to make, but she didn't even pick neither of them. So, so she chose, I was um, design, to design g g g gaming. Then my fourth choice was Step Up Revolution. I love it because I love the dancing and all kinds of things like that. And the cinematography is like the aspects of it on how they use all different camera shots and the angles and stuff like that. And my top five, I would definitely have to say Step Up to the Streets because it has a lot of good dancing and like all kinds of good music what they have. And thank you everyone for listening to my top five favorite movies. And then time for the catch-up, sponsored by Ketchup. Every now and then we like to visit with past students to see what life is like post-Options for All. This is great to see what words and wisdoms they have for our current students and the world. Hey, Ross, how's your day been? It's been good. You yeah. know, just been nice to be back here for a little bit at least. Yeah, that's good. So um, um, when you came here today, um, what teachers did you talk to? I talked to all of them. You know, first I talked to Will, then Mateo, and then I forget... So, yeah. That's good. So, what kind of movies do you like and TV shows? I like all kinds of, you know, like, I've just been, like, watching this new one on every Saturday. It's called Severance. It's really good. Is it a movie or a TV show? It's a TV show. You know, it's really good. You know, it's on Apple TV. 
But though, you know, like I just like all kinds of stuff. You know, I really do not have a favorite genre per se. You know, I just like a little bit of everything. What about movies? What's your favorite movie? My favorite movie of all time is Hook. Hook. Like the Disney one? No, no, no. The Robin Williams one from the 90s, you know. It's about a grown-up Peter Pan. I, can't, I don't even think I've ever seen that one. Oh, it's about like if he grows up, has kids, you know, like becomes a uh, corporate lawyer, forgets all of his imagination, then Hook kidnaps his kids, and then like he must remember how to have fun, fun, you know, like to get his kids back. Oh. That's interesting. Yeah, it's so old. It came out in 91, so. What got you interested in the film and media? Um, is, uh, you know, like, I've always been interested in film and media. You know, like, I even, you know, like, I know about the box office, so I've always been interested. But the pandemic, you know, like, I actually um, got laid off of my first job. So then, like, the pandemic, so then my mom didn't want me just sitting around doing nothing, you know, like, watching movies. So then, so then, like, she actually, like, got me the here, which, which was basically for the first two semesters, two and a half semesters, was just sitting around watching movies. So I don't, yeah, but I, I love this program, you know. This is what got me into it. Do you have any other um, things for young filmmakers to get them interested in a um, program like this? This program, um, just like, you know, like watch old movies, you know, like that'll help them, you know, but but like watch all kinds of movies you can, you know, like it's because, you know, like if you don't understand where the ideas came from nowadays, you won't, you know, you won't know how to do them. Okay. Uh, what? Well, uh. You couldn't do with your life. Um, I'm just living it right now. You know, like it's because like you know, like I don't have a job right now anymore. You know, um, but still, you know, like it's still, you know, like I'm just happy at you know, like I spend time with friends more now. You know, I'm happier. You know, um, but you know, so yeah, that's what I'm doing in my life, just living it. You know. Are you currently working on any projects? Um, actually, I am. Um, I'm still, you know, like, I started last year, like, watching every single Best Picture winner. So I'm doing that for me and my friend's review channel. And then I'm also going to be ranking and reviewing every single Steven Spielberg movie, which I'm watching them again. And then, you know, yeah, so, like, the Oscar thing I knew would be hard. I just did not think it would take that much of an undertaking. Yeah. So, uh, so uh, this question doesn't really make sense to you since you just – Start the program and you know in this profession profession of film of film media like before this. So, what's your future of film and media? I hope to actually be a critic. You know, like to where like I can get like screeners, and then you know like go to the press screenings. You know, like so me and my friend are working on that right now. You know, like like we do actually like an after show every single Monday, but now we're we're trying to do it more and more. You know, so online, yeah, because like it's so cool. It's because like my friend actually lives in Virginia. So, so you know, like, so here in San Diego, like, we actually video do videos together, you know. Yeah. Also, would you, um, when do videos with your friend, do you ever use what you learn in like the film and media? All, to, all the with time. It? All the time. Well, that's good. And yeah. I have one more question before I go. Uh, <laughs> what is your favorite part about? the movie industry or like the film industry in total i just love is i i love like the like genesis of films you know you know like how like you could have like one idea that something like blooms into this 
to this light, to this masterpiece. What do you mean by genesis of films? You know, like, well, like an idea. Like an idea? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, like with why, like with that movie, like everything, everywhere, all at once. It, it was started by these two guys in their in their like in their college dorm, and then they made the best movie of the year so far. You know. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, hey, Ross. It's uh, been a while since we've hung out. Uh, yeah. I remember when I first came into the program, you were. Uh, Parvin, we hung out a lot. So, um, so my question is, uh, what is your dream job? To become a film critic. You know, I like, guess because like, you know, like I love Siskel and Ebert. I still watch them today, you know, but, but yeah, I just want to, you know, like I love critiquing the art of film and TV shows. Uh, yeah, I know you've done a bunch of, uh, critiquing of different films that we've seen like, uh, during the, uh, during the semester. So, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and I remember us hanging out, um, like, when we were doing Firewatch, uh, we would talk about certain films and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. I, that, was a, that was a good time for me, so. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Okay. What is experience uh, you? Um, multiple things. Like, you know, like, if I watch a movie that I've seen this story before, but they do it in a way that's brand new, you know, like, I love that. Or just like, you know, like, just like watching a really good movie, you know, like does it, you know, and sometimes even, even like watching a really bad movie that's so bad that it's good is, you know, you know, yeah. So yeah, that inspires me. Good job. Like the fanatic. <laughs> Have you seen okay, that one? Okay, Ross, uh, thanks for your time. You'll hate it, MC, because like during the scene is 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 where the guy's like listening to uh, to to Limp Bizkit, right? Yeah. And then they go like, "This is the greatest band in the history of the world," right? But do you know who directed it? Fred Durst. Oh, so Ross, who are your mentors? I don't have any mentors really. You know, it's just you know like uh, I ask advice for like tons of people, you know, like but but no real mentors, you know, at all. You sure? Yep. Oh. Because too, and then they say if you have if you're looking for mentors at the age of thirty three. <laughs> Did the things you learned at OFA benefit your life and career? Um, yes it does actually. You know, like it's because you know, like it teaches me, you know, like about like what things like kinda make sense in writing and then like the shots and stuff, you know, like and then sometimes, you know, like I notice that 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 like um I'll watch these movies and they'll be complete, but I'll say, you know, like this just didn't add up, you know, in the story or anything, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, so that's how, you know, like, and then it taught me, you know, like, like the fundamentals. All right, Russ, uh, now that's my turn. Um, any words of advice to current OFA students or people linked to in the film and media industry? Uh, yes, be driven, but, but humble. Because, like, you know, like, I've seen people that are driven and then, then they have a big 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 like ego and like attitude and it just like pushes people away from wanting to work with them so yes and then and then like it is not going to be easy but you still you know like just do it if you love it don't do it looking for a paycheck you know right now <laughs> if you're starting out yeah I, I get it. like um like as you know i've told many people in the program that i'm a theater background that my background is theater and like i am driven by that and I've been doing this as kind of like a, um, but I'm starting to get a love of it, uh, like over time and stuff. Like, um, but I'm still a bit theater, yeah. uh, still a bit theater geek. So, yeah. Thank you for joining us today, Ross. No problem. Um, I think I know the answer to this question, but 
how long were you in the film and media program? About four four semesters, you know, like which is equal to maybe a year and a half to two years or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. So I was basically in it at the original time, you know, like mm-hmm. back when they only gave four semesters, but then they had a fifth, but then I wanted to work and then I working didn't work out. So now, yeah, you know, so yeah. And with any luck, you'll be part of it again. Yes, so. I will. Are you still currently working in the Special Olympics? Yes and no. It's because, like, I'm part, I left the Special Olympics because, like, my friend, she actually, like, had me join this other one that's like Special Olympics called Sports for Exceptional Athletes. You know, so it's like, so yes and no. It's like Special Olympics, though. And also, I've been told to ask this. uh, What are some of your favorite memories? Here? Yeah. Uh, Michael getting burned, MCs, you know, shenanigans. (laughs) Uh, uh, Just, you know, like, like, you know, like, like having the discussions during the movie time. You know, like, yeah, so. So you want to be a critic, right? Yes. So I have a question about that. Um, What is your critic name going to be? Just Ross Bristow, you know. Okay. Uh, do you have like a following on like Twitter? Um, no, website? but though, but me and my friend's YouTube channel has over seven hundred subscribers. So, yeah, that's awesome. what's the name of the channel? Mega Movie Z, and then like I will email you guys it. You know, yeah. So like we do every weekly now recap of Better Call Saul. Nice. Would you ever have a website dedicated to like hour long videos or like something? Uh, no, that's all we need. You know, really, we said yeah. There's no point in having a full-blown website anymore like with that. So as a feature critic, like you still wanted to be, right? So yes. like as a feature critic, what is like the best space in your, like how do you envision to analyze every movie in detail? Like what's your analyzation? It depends on the movie and my mood. You can't really, you know, I can't answer that, you know, I... You know, like, it's because, you know, like, I'm going to, you know, like, you know, you know, now, like, analyze Citizen Kane differently than I'm going to analyze The Room. You know, so you see, yeah. And my last question before my, this one, before my last one. So here's the second to last question is, it's about film and media or, or options for all. When, when you get your next two semesters, if that happens, what classes do you want to join? Audio. Audio? Yes. Not editing or no? No. Okay. And also, my last thing, my last question, as like in the future of film and media and your life, using all you learned from here and your critic and your critic channel and all that, what is the best memory in the future you might have of all this combined? I don't know that. Well, it's it's up it's up to debate in the future. Oh yeah, by the I way, I cannot talk about the memory f- any, from the future. Oh, yeah, I also want any new movies you seen? Uh, yeah, actually, ju- I saw Nope, which was pretty good. You know, like, and then like I went in and I saw Thor: Love and Thunder, which was uh, I didn't care for it that much, you know. And then like I also saw this Indian movie called RRR, which is on Netflix, which is his bonkers insane. All right, that's all my questions for you. Thank you. Well, any last part of words? No, just thank you. This was great. Also, um, put your channel in the – say your channel again so everybody – Mega Movie Z. You know, my friend's lo- logo, I think, is a red M or the guy from the Kingsman. You know, I'll, I'll send it to you guys too. Well, also I'll, put, I'll put it in the chat. I'll, e- MC, you, you can like – I will email it to you, and then you can put it in the description, okay? Awesome. Yeah, so – Everybody, um, thank you for this part, and thank you, Ross, for being here. Yeah, thank you. And have a nice day. Yeah.
Thank you, Ross. It was great to catch up with you. No tomatoes were harmed in the making of this segment. My name is Julian Sanchez, and these are my top five favorite movies. I fifth choice is almost famous i like that movie because of the music my fourth choice is jersey boys i also like that movie because of the music my third choice is bohemian rhapsody i like that movie because the actor did a really good job portraying freddie mercury my uh second choice is rocket man I like that movie because of the music. And my uh, first choice is The Wall. And I like that movie, the um, animation part. You're listening to The Conversation. I'm your host, Axel. Our guest today is Karina Betger. Karina is an actor known for Paimon from Genshin Impact, Tornado of Terror from One Punch Man, Anju Yuki from Love Life School Idol Project, and Sailor Tin Nyanko from Sailor Moon and lots more. We're excited to have Karina on the show. Welcome, Karina. Hi. Hello. Um, how did you get into voice acting and what kind of training did you have? Um, so basically I, I was, I was five years old and I, I watched the movie, The Mask and I became entirely obsessed with Jim Carrey. And so I went to my parents and I said, I want to be Jim Carrey when I grew up. And they were, because, you know, they, you know, your parents tell you, right, that you can be whatever you want to be when you grow up. And I was like, okay, cool. I took that to heart um <laughs> and uh i i went to my parents and told them i want to be jim carrey when i grew up and they were like oh so you want to be an actor like jim carrey when you grow up and i was like no 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 no! i want to be jim carrey when i grow up and after a complete meltdown because my parents explained to me that you actually can't be jim carrey and um uh and i I accused them of lying to me because I, I I was like, you said I could be whatever I wanted to be. Um, uh, and after like they, they like that whole debacle, it ended with my parents being like, look, you can't be Jim Carrey, but you can be an actor like Jim Carrey. And I was like, okay, I guess that's close enough. Um, <laughs> and uh, my parents really helped me get into, um, first it started with community theater, um, because sometimes, you know, I, uh, a kid tells you what they want to do when they grow up and you're like, okay, yeah, sure. Um, and, and that, that answer could change in a few years. Um, not for me though, because I wouldn't, my mom put me in community theater and I was like, nope, yep, this is exactly what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I just want to act. That's all I want to do. And um, so then my mom helped me find more classes uh, in Seattle because that's where I'm from. And um, so, yeah, she was able to find uh, find me classes with teachers that have worked uh, in theater in Seattle. 
and also helped me find auditions in Seattle. Um, one of the things that she always told me when I was a kid was like, she was never, she was going to help me, but she was never going to be like one of those stage moms that forced me to do this. So like the minute that it wasn't fun for me anymore, we were going to be done with it. She didn't want to be the one dragging a horse to water, trying to force it to drink essentially. Um, and so I, 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 I definitely tried my hardest to, um, make sure that like you my mom never thought that this wasn't what I wanted to do um in any way shape or form um and my first real acting job was when I was eight years old so it took like three years of training and I was still doing community theater throughout that time too just to kind of like build up the resume while I was in training um and uh, my mom found an audition for Roar of the Grease, Paint, Smell of the Crowd, which was at the Second Story Repertory Theater in Redmond, uh, Washington. And um, and I booked it. And, um, and then a few months after that was like my first voice acting job. It was a promo for a video game. Um, and it, it, it kind of grew from there, you know, like as an actor, you, you learn that you never stop taking classes. You might take less as you start working, but you never completely stop. You're constantly learning. You're constantly um, uh, looking to improve yourself, especially because art, art is constantly changing and, and acting is an art form. Um, it's constantly evolving. There are um, new ways to look at, like, I mean, you'll never stray too far away from the um, the Stanislavski and the Meisner and whatever um, has happened before, but you can have a new approach to it um, that might help you understand it better or um, something like that. And um, so, yeah, it's just been a long history of me and luckily, my parents being on board with it, <laughs> um, uh, trying, uh, uh, constantly improving and, and taking classes. And when I was 17, that was when I moved down to L.A. Um, at that point, I was going back and forth from L.A. to in, and Seattle anyway. Um, um, and yeah, I was I was 17. And I remember this because like uh, I I I don't have a, an actual high school diploma because I ended up in the hospital at the end of my junior year. And because of that, my high school said that I failed junior year just because at the end of the year, I was in the hospital the entire time. And so at that point, um, me and my parents were like, well, I don't plan on staying here anyway. And I technically had an equivalent to a high school diploma because I had already taken um, the California, what California has like a proficiency test. So that way you can like basically test out of high school. Um, and I had already done it. <laughs> um, so my mom was like, so move to LA because that's where you're going anyway. Um, so I, I did just that. And um, to get into more voiceover, because at the time I was doing mostly like on camera and theater, um, because like voiceover, uh, uh, it, it is a different world than on camera and theater. There's a different, there's a slightly different way to get your foot in the door, 
um, versus uh, on camera and theater. And uh, um, I, uh, I, I had some help because I was lucky enough to make be friends with uh, Jeremy Bloom, who is the son of Steve Bloom. And Jeremy was nice enough to let me um, go and talk with Steve. And Steve told me, okay, these are the classes that you take here in LA that do voiceover. Um, and uh, this is generally how a demo is made and um, start there and uh so yeah that's that's kind of like how that evolved into that <laughs> that's actually really cool <laughs> i actually want to be a voice actor too so um i want to say a little something i accidentally stumbled upon zach aguilar's streams and he helped me build break down this wall because i got bullied a lot for wanting to do it and people kept saying, you can never do that. You can never be a voice actor because you're autistic. And, you know, I, I just, I got so shy and shut down that I built this big old wall. I just didn't want to do it. And then I saw Zach's streams and I guess something happened and I just broke down those walls and I wanted to get into it more. Well, I'm also not the only autistic voice actor there is. There's a lot more of us than you think. Um, oh, really? Kellen, Kellen Goff is autistic, and he's um, vocal about it. But there are others that I know are autistic that are not vocal about it, so I'm not going to say who they are because that's up for them if they ever want to go public about that. Um, but, you know, um, there's also some of us in, 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 like – who they're not diagnosed yet, but I've talked with them and I've basically been like, yo, I think you might actually want to look into it because like you're definitely some type of neurodivergent, whether it's autistic or something else that's going on. Um, a, a lot of actors are ADHD already. So that's already in the neurodivergent circle, you know? Yeah. Um, and ADHD and autism are comorbid. So the chances are that a lot of them are also autistic. They just haven't gotten the official diagnosis yet. So I got made fun of um, for it a lot too. Uh, that doesn't stop, by the way. The, 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 mm -hmm. the, the bullying doesn't mm -hmm. ever stop. Um, because even when I was working as an actor, I was like on TV, like working, and my dad's friends his friends would still be like, well, they're not the main character. Yeah. And, and that would be them basically like telling my dad that he shouldn't support me in this and stuff. And so, and, and, you know, it, 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 it's, it's a lot, but you have to listen. I, I am more likely to listen to my teachers since they are professional in the uh, professionals in the industry that are working over somebody who has never worked as an actor ever. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, what in your life experience was the most helpful to you in becoming a voice actor? Um, when when Charlie Ad uh, I was working with Charlie Adler and I had worked with several other teachers that are amazing that that by that point um John Homa Richard Leadley um they're all amazing but they uh, and Gary Austin who is unfortunately not alive anymore um but um something that Charlie Adler had said to me which was um 
<laughs> it actually broke me at the time because uh, you know you're you're what you're trained to do is uh, uh, like essentially like who what when where why how to break down a script you have to find all of these clues into the script to know uh, figure out who your character is and all that stuff and i did that part really freaking well because research is 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 my jam i love research i do it for fun um i uh, so like that's awesome and then I went to Charlie and and he said, I know you know all of the things about this script. Now stop thinking about it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and it broke me. It absolutely, I was like, why would I do all of this hard work breaking down a script only for you to tell me to throw it away? What are you, nuts? Um, and that's exactly actually what I needed to hear because like when you're breaking down a script, yeah, it tells you everything about this person that you need to know, um, playing this character, their relationships with the other characters that they're talking to or talking about, and that's great. But if our jobs as actors are supposed to recreate real life, people are not constantly thinking about that information 24 seven, it's subconscious. So it was a way for him to basically tell me, great, now make all of that information subconscious instead of like at the forefront of your forehead or whatever. I don't know how to describe that. Um, like, like the first thing you think of. So that way you can live in that moment truthfully rather than overthinking all of these things so that it seems unauthentic, if that makes sense. It makes yeah. more sense when you're actually doing it. <laughs> Do you have any advice for those who are getting into or are interested in doing voice acting? Find a teacher that works in the industry. Luckily, because of the pandemic, a lot of classes are available online now. So uh, I know some people are going to be like, but uh, like some of those classes are le like 2 a.m. for me because, yeah, that uh, that does suck. Um, but I've had students in my class where, yeah, they woke up at 2 a.m. to take it because it was available and they did it and and it was worth it for them. Um, um, but um yeah, a, a lot of classes are available. I know Charlie Adler teaches his most of his classes on Zoom. Um, Adventures in uh, Adventures in Voice Acting teaches their class over Zoom. You you all you need is just the basic equipment of like a mic and head a headset. Um, and then if you're if you're if you're really awesome, you'll also have some soundproofing as well. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, mic and a headset and, um, and start from there. Um, voicesvoicecasting.com. Most of their classes are over, over zoom now too. So, um, there's, there's, and that's only like just a few of them. I could name off like, uh, 20 more classes right now that have their classes available online. Um, so you know, classes with teachers that, uh, like, as I said, I, I'm going to trust the words of somebody who is actually currently working in this business over somebody who's never done it in their life or hasn't, like, another, uh, like, I always tell people, you want a teacher that has been working in this industry regularly for at least five to ten years, and that's the bare minimum. Um, if, if they just booked their first role, like, last year, they're probably not going to be the best teacher because they haven't been in it long enough to really tell you how to go about this. Um, so yeah, 
it, a good a good teacher that actually knows what they're doing and has is currently working is what you need. How you handle uh, a stressful a situation? A stressful situations. Um. Yes, ma'am. I have a few tricks for that. Uh, <laughs> um, one is to um actually remember that you're allowed to ask for breaks. Um, I have a, a, a lot of times, um, you know, when you're when you're working, you feel like you can't ask for a break because you're worried that like it's costing them time or whatever. But I, I have never been in a situation where I have been made. F I was made made to feel bad for asking for an extra break here or there. Um, um, so that helps. Um, and then also, luckily with voice acting specifically, you're in a room by yourself. Um, there is, there is usually like a window so you can see like the sound engineer. Um, luckily because of the pandemic, uh, everybody else is over zoom. So it's just the sound engineer now that you're seeing. So that also helps because you only see one person that you're in front of. Although I find that actually it's more stressful being in a room with less people than more people. Cause at least if there's like, if there's like a huge audience, I can kind of not focus in on one person. Um, but even, even when you're recording and there's only one person, like you're usually the mic is faced away from them. So you're not even facing towards that window at all. So I always tell people don't look through the window. It doesn't help you. It does like don't look through the window that you don't need to see them. They if they need to talk to you, they have a little talk back button. So you don't like it'll come through your headphones. You don't need to see anybody at all. Um, but also um, um, on a microphone, uh, as long as you're not making any noise that the mic can pick up, you can move as much as you want to. So I stim all the time when I'm acting. I'm constantly moving because like as long as I don't physically move my feet to the right or left, I'm not moving anywhere off mic quote unquote. Um, so like I can, I can uh, play with my fingers. I also bring, I have, I, I bring tiny stuffed animals with me because those don't make any noise and, and it's totally fine. No one cares. As long as it doesn't make any noise, no one cares. Um, um, I also like, I, 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 uh, I mess with my shirt a lot. Um, because yeah, as long as it's not a noisy shirt, if it's made of cotton, that won't make any noise. The mic is going to pick up either. So I stim, I, I bring tiny stuffed animals with me that I can easily fit in my purse that I can bring out if need be. And then I ask for extra breaks if I need them. Um, most directors are going to give you a break on the hour, like a 10 minute break. Um, so, so that that is also helpful if they they are the director that does that um, because then it, like sometimes if you look at the clock that's like on the wall or whatever you can be like oh wait okay I'm gonna I'm about to come up on a break anyway I can wait until then and it makes you feel better or you can you can even say hey is it okay if we take our ten minute break now instead of at on the hour that's also fine to do um, I have I have Crohn's disease so. Ah. Um, a lot of the times I ask for breaks early anyway because of, of, of that, like, you know, I need to go to the bathroom more frequently than others. So, um, 
remembering that you can ask for breaks and that nobody's going to make you feel bad for asking them. Okay, who's, ne uh, who's next, Matt? Do you prefer voice acting to live action roles? I don't know. Uh, like, it, it, it's, it's, it's pluses and minuses that come into, like, both sides, basically. In voice acting, I get to play a lot more different characters. I can play children. I can play um, boys. I can play girls. I can play old women. I can play old men, even. Um, I can play creatures a lot more often in voice acting. So there's like a lot more diversity in like the characters. But I think, vo I also think voice acting is actually harder to do than on camera because in on camera, every, the camera's right in front of you. So you have not just your voice to convey a character. You also have your facial expressions and your body language and all of these other things, external things that help you make the character come alive versus voice acting, you have to push it just a little bit more um, because you have to get all of what you normally would have in an on-camera situation just through your voice. Um, uh, it's one of the things that when I teach, uh, like a lot of people, mm, the biggest one that people forget when they're when they're doing an audition is that their character is moving. You can't move because you can't move off mic, but your character is moving, right? I mean, you can move, but like you can't like physically walk or physically run when you are voice acting because you have to stay on mic, um, but your character might be. Or like if there's a fight scene, how do you recreate a punch when you're not actually punching anything? Um, and and make and make it sound realistic and um, and a lot of people forget that when they're doing any sort of audition like uh, um, I was teaching the other day and like uh, one of the things that it is even says in the script he it was something to the effect of the character punches another character and the student at the time completely just didn't even do it and I was like so where did that go and they were like Oh, I didn't know I had to recreate that. I'm like, yeah, you do, because it's a whole scene. Um, we also in voice acting, most of the time you are acting by yourself. So that's even harder too, because in a, in an on camera or a theater experience, your other partner, your your scene partner, is right there in front of you. You know exactly how they're going to respond. In voice acting, you have to guess. You have to guess an entire, like a, 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 you have to imagine an entire other person is in front of you and responding to you. And when you in, you, at least when you're in theater, and luckily I did have this training, in theater they train you how to do monologues. Monologues are where basically, you know, you go on for a really long time, but it's not you talking to yourself. You're always talking to somebody else. You, the audience just can't see the other person. So you have to imagine that other person and imagine them being alive and imagine them reacting and imagine you reacting off of their reaction. Um, so at least that training helps in that res respect. Um, in voice acting, it's the same thing, and you're constant—you are reacting off to off of somebody, um, and you have to remember that um, when you are uh, doing it. So it's—I I, think—I think voice acting is harder. I don't necessarily have. I guess I, I guess if I had to choose between one or the other, I would choose voice acting only because I have a lot more range that I can play. 
I'm not just stuck to what I look like. Um, um, because, you know, an animator is going to go in and animate to my voice. But it is harder. It is definitely harder to do. What are your top three favorite roles as an actor? My top three favorite roles? Yes. Mizuki from I, the Somnium Files, Paimon and Genshin Impact. And then a long, long time ago, I was 16 and I was in a play called The Pillow Man. It's written by one of my favorite playwrights, Martin McDonough. I didn't have any lines in that entire play. <laughs> my character's name was literally Girl. <laughs> um, but that character in the play, as that character, I got to play three different roles technically. Um, the first one was I was basically a corpse underneath a mattress uh, that came alive at some point. Um, and then I was a little girl who thought she was Jesus that ends up getting crucified by her foster parents. So it's it's a dark show, if, I, if you couldn't tell. Um, and then the last role was a little girl covered in green paint. Yep. Um, highly suggest reading that script. It's, I remember when I was cast to do that, I, I didn't necessarily audition for that role. I'd already worked with that theater before. They offered it to me and they said, here is the script, read through it. We're just, we're not doing auditions because this is a super dark script. Um, and we think you can handle the subject matter because it is so dark, but we don't want to make that assumption. We want you to read through it. And then when you come to the meeting, you can tell us if you want to play this character or not, uh, or these characters or not. Um, it is a comedy is what they told me. And I read through it and I was like, I need to be in this show because I need to figure out how the hell this is a comedy. I, I, that's, that's literally why I needed to be in the show is because I needed to figure out how this was funny. Um, <laughs> cause it was so dark when I was reading and I was like, what, how, I don't, I mean, I know, I know comedy is tragedy with timing, but this is very tragic. And, um, so I, I had to figure out how to, uh, how it was. And I did, it is, it is actually a comedy. It is actually funny. I highly suggest everybody read it and then go watch the show. Cause when you read it, it really does not come off as a comedy at all. Um, <laughs> and, and so, yeah, that would be my third favorite role for sure. I, again, I had no lines that didn't matter. I loved being in that show. I loved being that character. I'm actually a part of something really cool called Arms Wide Open, which is a performing arts group for special needs kids and adults. We do plays every year. That's really awesome. Yeah, it is. Okay. You mentioned on your website that you were on the autis aut autism spectrum. What kind of challenges have you faced as an actor with autism? Being autistic, it's like it's funny because like you would think that when you study to be an actor it makes you better at understanding tone it doesn't it doesn't help you with that at all that's that's and and because it, like it's not about understanding tone as an actor it's about understanding feelings tone is a completely separate thing and it's funny because i actually think that being autistic and the fact that i don't understand tone actually helps me because it's all about understanding feelings rather than understanding tone 
but because my tone comes off different, it's seen as an artistic choice that it comes off different, right? Versus like, 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 um, um, I, I basically, you know, unfortunately, part of being an actor is being on social media, because like, now they do take into account, like, how many followers you have sometimes. And that's so frustrating, because I'm like, I just want to act. I don't even like being considered like a role model, because I don't think I'm a good one. It's really frustrating when I'll say something on social media, and people will, come in and say all of these things that I'm like, I don't understand. Like, like uh, this, uh, I had somebody say that I was being really mean because I ended a sentence in a period. And I was like, because that's grammatically correct. And I, <laughs> I, I don't understand how they added on all of these extra meanings in there when I was like, it's just a sentence. And that's really frustrating. Another thing that was just really hard, but this, this has something more to the training side was the idea of when, you know, um, doing all that work of breaking down a script, doing the who, what, when, where, why, and stuff like that. And then having Charlie Adler tell me now let it go and don't think about it so hard. Well, autistic people are not really good at not thinking hard <laughs> um, because we overthink everything. And um, so that, that took me like, a long time to actually feel comfortable with and and it really is about trusting the process what advice would you give to someone with autism who is looking to work in the industry trust your instincts a lot of the time when when uh autistic uh, autistic people are told um don't do this don't do that so we start to not trust our first instincts and that carries over into when we are breaking down a script. Um, I, I, I've had some autistic people in my class where, you know, I've asked the, because as a teacher, you ask them, okay, when you were going through the script, what was your first thought? And they were like, well, I thought it was this. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And they were like, you mean I was right? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, why didn't you trust that? <laughs> um, it's it's hard when 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 you're autistic and somebody says don't do something we we kind of blanket statement and apply it to everything and we shouldn't um, but we do because that's how our brains work we're like okay well if it works in this instance then it should work for everything else and that's not true um and and yeah and and in when you are acting it, again trusting the process is also trusting yourself and trusting your choices from the start and trusting those instincts and being like, yes, this is what it is. I, I feel like, especially because like autistic people um, are, are very careful about trying of like, or, or worried, they're worried about like doing, doing things right the first time. I know that that's something that I even had like issues with, like, like if it wasn't right the first time, then like, nope, don't try it again because I'm just going to do it wrong every time. And, and, that's not really the way life works <laughs> in general, not even just acting. It's just not the way that life works um, because you don't get better at something without failing. And in my, in my, in, in any class that you take with a teacher, they should feel it, make you feel comfortable to the point where you can fail in their class. Cause that's what classes are for. I also feel like that has something to do with like the way the 
at least the American school system, I don't know about any other school system out there, but the American school, school system, you know, you get graded on your homework and that actually pours into your final grade, which I think that shouldn't be the case. I think you should get an A on your homework if you did it, regardless of the answers, because the homework is the practice for the test. Like the test should be, yeah, grade that and give an actual grade on that. But the homework is the practice for the test. So why are we caring if people get the wrong answers as long as they learn from it, right? Um, and so it kind of instills this idea that you need to get it right the first time because that grade on your homework is going to count too. And I, I, I don't like that idea. I, I, I think that kind of like instills in us that, yeah, if you get it wrong the first time, you just shouldn't try again because that's the grade. That's it. That's done. You're bad <laughs> at it. And I'm like, no, that's like, it's, it's good to try and fail because that's what's going to make you better in the long run. What advice would you give to someone in the industry who might be reluctant to hire someone with autism? We're not scary creatures. <laughs> We're people. We have a different thought process, um, which, as I said, I feel like has helped me as an actor because it's seen as an artistic choice when it's really just me, like, like it's literally just how I would respond in the situation of acting is reacting. Okay, well then this is how I would react. That's, that's my thought process. And so it's, it, it's, I've always have gotten compliments on, on when I do something that I'm like, it's just what I would have done in the situation. That's it. But that's like 90% of acting. Um, a lot of people, uh, you know, um, it comes it comes down to when when they're dealing with somebody with any disability, regardless of it being autism or a physical disability or anything like that. They're worried that it might slow down production. But then I always bring back Jared Leto. Jared Leto literally took an hour to go to the bathroom because he was pretending to have a disability. And I'm like, so you're willing for an actor to waste an hour of time because he's pretending to have something, but you won't give an extra 15 minutes to somebody because they're having a mental breakdown? Why? The thought process is, is that like, like, okay, well then clearly you do have the time and money to wait. You just need to do it. Um, there are other um, times where we have used actors with disabilities in, in performances and it's worked out really well. All we need is a chance to do it. All anybody needs is a chance to do it. We're not monsters, we're just people. And chances are, as I said, there's a lot of actors with ADHD out there. And I know that like, especially in, fem in, in uh, AFAB people, it's harder to get diagnosed with autism. So the chances are that they're already actually working with an actor with autism. It's just they didn't get diagnosed or they're not educated enough and they're not educated enough to know um, what the symptoms are to go and get checked out, but we can do this and we can enhance the process. Okay. On Sunday, I went to Anime Expo and I met Max Middleman and he was very nice. I was very shy of people meeting of bigger statures and so my friend, <laughs> so my friend really wanted me to get them a autograph from him for a very long time 
And I had a lot of fun at Anime Expo, but I was kind of disappointed that Zach wasn't there. So I get it because he's busy and stuff. He was at a different so. convention. Uh, yeah, I think he was in Denver. Oh, he would have liked my costume. I was Moishiro Tokito from Demon Slayer in a maid costume. That's amazing. Uh, okay, so back on topic. Let's stay on topic. So we got some fun questions for you for Zelda. Mm-hmm. And the first one is... In the original Legend of Zelda for the NES, what does the old man say to Link before giving him a sword? Oh my god, why did I just forget everything all of a sudden? Oh, okay, it's um something to go alone. Uh, you, you shouldn't go alone. Something you shouldn't... Um, when the old man gives you the sword, he says it's dangerous. It's dangerous to go there uh, to go alone. It's dangerous to go alone. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Sorry, my brain like exploded with excitement and then just forgot everything. I only remember that. I only remember the answer to that one because they they have like collectible cards for Zelda now. Yeah, and one of my stickers has that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got that one right. But you got help from someone off screen. <laughs> well, he actually didn't help at all. <laughs> he he said, what are you talking about? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes if you ask the question to somebody else, it helps you remember. It's a trick that my therapist taught me. <laughs> That's cool. Um, what's the name of Zelda's Zelda's alter ego in Ultra of Time? Oh, it's Sheik. Everyone knows that. Yeah. Also, yeah. you can play Sheik in Super Smash Brothers, and in Super yeah. Smash Brothers, I believe Melee it was. You could switch yeah. between Zelda and Sheik. I always just yeah. you can also do that in Smash Bros. Brawl too. Yeah. You gotta press a certain button on the Wii Remote. Mm-hmm. In the newest Super Smash Bros., she's actually a separate character, which I actually prefer. I like that. Um. So, what is the name of the first boss you encounter in Ocarina of Time? Goma. The yucky spider that you want to smack with the with Well, it the depends. Spider. Are you speed running or not? Because that's a different answer then. And it depends on I, the speed run too. <laughs> I, I told my teacher to look up this thing because an artist years ago made a real a real sculptula. It terrified me to the point where I had arachnophobia. Thank you, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We saved the most difficult question for the last. If you had to choose, which is your favorite Zelda game? It's a tie <laughs> between Wind Waker and Breath of the Wild. Yeah, Breath of the Wild came out. And the reason why I like that, like, I really liked when Breath of the Wild kind of brought back Zelda to its roots of, like, you can kind of explore every anywhere you want to start. Um, and uh, because that was kind of the original intention of the game, was uh that uh the the creator who of course i just now forgot the name of he just passed away too there's actually a mountain named after him in the game yes and um uh but the like his original thought of like uh, the uh, uh inspiration for zelda was when he would go in his backyard and explore like the the forest and like um kind of mountainous area that he was in and that was the original um inspiration for zelda was exploration so um uh which at some point they kind of diverted into more of a um streamlined uh, uh uh adventure it's still it still is an adventure and you're still kind of exploring but it's a more um linear path through it 
And then Breath of the Wild, they were like, let's bring back that feeling of go anywhere you want. I don't know how to say goodbye. I wish they were with us forever. <laughs> Thank you for having me, everybody. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Karina, for joining us. To learn more about Karina and their work, visit KarinaBetger.com. I'm Axel, and you've been listening to The Conversation. Thank you for listening to What's New Today at OFA. To learn more about the film and media program at Options for All, please visit optionsforall.org. And remember, you have options too.